Ciao. Welcome to the Cannabis Marketing Live podcast, where we cover the latest cannabis marketing strategies and trends that are most effective in growing your cannabis dispensary, delivery service, or brand. This podcast is sponsored by MediaGel. MediaGel is the leading cannabis marketing platform, helping cannabis brands reach consumers through mainstream media channels. I am your host, Guillermo Bravo, and today we'll be discussing how to impact cannabis audiences with headline-worthy PR strategies with PR guru and founder and CEO of Grasslands, Ricardo Baca. Welcome to the podcast, Ricardo. How are you? Hey, Guillermo. Thank you so much for having me on, man. It's great to see you. Uh, I'm doing well. What a beautiful day. No, it is beautiful. Well, tell me the news. Everyone wants to hear about the uh, the, the Burner Forbes feature. Like, please, I want to hear it all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, well, you know, thanks for setting me up for that one. But, um, you know, it definitely a celebratory environment here at Grasslands headquarters. Uh, last week, we were able to help our clients an, at Cookies announce that uh, their founder and CEO, Burner, is on the cover of Forbes. First cannabis executive ever to be on the cover of Forbes. Um, you know, this is huge, not only for Cookies, not only for Burner. Um, obviously, it's a huge win for the brand. We are thrilled to be a part of that team and help bring this massive earned media hit home. Uh, but I think it's huge for the industry, too. What a what a powerful signifier that, hey, we're here. We're on the cover of Forbes. We're not perfect. There's a lot of work to do. In fact, uh, while Burner and Cookies are being held up in this story, uh, which is but done by journalist Will Yakowitz, um, <clears throat> uh, they're being held up as a success story, as champions. Uh, the cover cut line calls Burner the king of cannabis, which of course he is. Um, but at the same time, the story really delves into the failures of legalization, the challenges, and how uh, this has truly been botched on multiple levels by governments at every level, um, and it's necessary journalism. I've shared this piece with a lot of my network, especially people outside of cannabis, since we know that's where we're all going. That's where we're are all marketing to. And, you know, people are learning a lot about this complicated industry, um, this overly regulated industry and um, how we need to lift some of these regulations, peel them back, understand that, um, yes, you can successfully legalize and regulate cannabis and move it into a regulated marketplace, even without these ridiculous restrictions and regulations that are just really um, killing so much of the industry and a lot of really thoughtful, smart, worthwhile operators who are doing a responsible job. But regardless of the print issue hit stands um, next week, so that'll be, I believe, August 16th. Um, definitely go out and grab uh, the copy of Forbes that has one of our own on the cover and really important journalism out there. I appreciate everybody's well wishes and, and we're sending them right back to our clients and partners at Cookies who we've worked with for more than three years. Wonderful. I'm going to go get me, get myself a copy and I'm going to frame it here in my office. Damn straight, <laughs> man. It's, it's something to celebrate for all of us. I agree. I agree. I, I, I heard you say it before, but you know, PR can do more for your money than any other marketing tool, right? But very few people understand how to use it. Can you tell us what this means and how a PR strategy can really move the dial for your business? 
Absolutely. You know, so, so, you know, PR can do more for your money than a lot of other marketing tools, yeah. but the truth is, and you and I were talking about this when I saw you at South by Southwest yeah. earlier this year, yeah. um, you know, nothing beats a well thought out um, strategic integrated marketing campaign. Certainly we have had clients come to us and say, this is our marketing budget. We want to spend everything on PR. And we always talk them out of that. That is not the, the panacea. That is not the right way to go. Um, you know, it's, it's all about figuring out what your right media mix really needs to be. Uh, from earned, of course, earned media, that is public relations. It's the craft of securing earned media in newspapers, magazines, blogs, podcasts, uh, crossing over into influencer channels sometimes. Um, and then on the flip side, you have paid media and owned media. And of course, I know this is an area that you exist more in than we do, but paid media being advertisements, sponsorships, and beyond, and owned media being these important owned and essential channels like our websites, our social media, um, you know, you need to be doing all three, and you need to be doing all three via a mix that is right for your brand, whether you're doing professional services like us, or you're selling products uh, across multiple markets, or even if you're a single state operator, uh, you really do need to be paying attention to all. But I would agree with you that public relations and earned media is essential. It's so powerful, um, especially because, you know, when you look at uh, Pew and Gallup, these uh, very legitimate professional pollsters that have been around uh, for decades upon decades, uh, polling the American and global populations on our changing attitudes, whether it's about cannabis or marketing, um, this data tells us something really interesting. Uh, and that is that there is no more trusted form of media than earned media. And I think a lot of what you and I will talk about today, Guillermo, will really come back to nothing is more trusted than earned media because the modern consumer, they're pretty savvy. They can see through some of these paid plays. They know that you can basically say whatever you want on your owned channels, but uh, earned media is a lot different. And I know we're going to dive deeper into that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the marketing mix in combining the earned media and own media and, and paid media is uh, if you can hit that, if you can get that mix right, you can really hit it out of the park. And, you know, I'm just thinking out loud here for, for the cookies brand. Like, yes, they're on the cover of Forbes. Yes, they're on the Forbes website. What if you could pay to do a full page takeover of Forbes with cookies, the entire website, the background, the headers, everything like what better combination is there than that, right? And then you're driving customer intent, you're leveraging the, the earned media and the trust associated with that, and you're combining that with uh, you know, an engaging ad to get customers to take action. Like, I mean, it's, uh, that's the holy grail right there. <laughs> It is the money shot, man, without a doubt, um, you know, uh, and we've been working very closely with the cookies marketing team and cookies leadership over the last three, four weeks, you know, about how do you really take advantage of a once in a lifetime moment like this? Because Forbes magazine, it's, it's no longer a monthly. They release eight print issues a year and burners on the cover of one of those eight in a year. It's, 
such a phenomenal thing. But of course, that's earned. And, and we've been working to uh, really activate a strategy across their entire owned media empire, as well as some really thoughtful, strategic, paid media plays. And it's been so fun to do that. You know, we do that when we get other clients on the covers of trade magazines or big hits, you know, for example, in like Bloomberg, Market Watch, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. Hell yeah, let's repurpose that. Let's help this earned media hit live forever via the power of our owned media channels and our paid media budget. So yeah, you're right. The mix when you find it is magic. And I feel really good about the strategy we worked on with Cookies and that they're implementing right now with us and other partners. And uh, and at the same time, we got 35 other clients we're jamming on too right now. You know how it goes. It's the agents oh, yeah. today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... it's you know, I saw that cover, you know, first thing, and then I saw it about a hundred times on my LinkedIn feed over the course of the week. So, you know, the, the influencer campaign that was implemented just knocked out of the park. And it's really, you didn't need to do anything. You earned it, right? You got the client, the placement, it, you don't need to sell this. It sells itself. The story's there. It's, it's powerful. It's impactful and people respect burner. So <laughs> You know, he's done so much. Uh, you think about him starting in Northern California and, you know, they've opened stores in Austria, Israel, Australia, um, you know, Arkansas in the last year. I mean, this growth trajectory truly is unparalleled and nobody belongs on that cover more than him. Um, and this is truly the, the uh, an amazing entity that he's built, all built on the power of uh, genetics and brand. And of course, uh, a deep passionate love and respect of cannabis. Yeah, and I'm here in Puerto Rico and there's a cookies uh, store opening about two blocks from me. Like that's, <laughs> they're everywhere. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about that. You know, what type of, you know, with a PR campaign like this, like how does this build your brand equity? You know, brand equity is essential because of course we are all working on our individual brand equity, you know, yeah. um, that comes into play around, of course, IPOs, um, M&A activity, certainly capital raises, capital funding. Um, it also comes into play around crisis management and quarterly earnings calls as well. Um, but brand equity, where PR really comes into that mix is elevating it from a very honest perspective. Um, going back to that trustworthiness that PR has that no other media can match, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of our tagline at Grasslands, our, our PR and marketing agency, where we specialize with cannabis, hemp, uh, and of course, psychedelics brands. Um, you know, our tagline is, we tell stories, build brands, and amplify value. That last part, um, you know, it, it really taught me an important lesson because I'm a lifelong journalist coming into this space about six years ago, starting Grasslands as an agency um, in late 2016 after I was leaving the Denver Post where I was the cannabis editor there and founder of the cannabis and all that stuff. But one of the biggest things that surprised me was the reason clients were coming to us to work, to be seen in, in earned media, in trade publications, mainstream, business and finance, lifestyle, was because they were working up to something bigger, 
We're working up to an M&A opportunity. We're working up into a, an IPO and the legitimacy and trustworthiness of earned media is unparalleled. I mean, we have the data on that. And so that's really where the brand equity comes into play. Uh, it's a really powerful investment because if you're heading up on a big raise, it this is the difference of your potential investor. They're prepping for that first call with you, that first meeting, and they Google your brand. What comes up there? Do, are they coming up with your, your website, your social channels? They see that your owned media is relatively updated. Great. Good for you. That's table stakes. That's pretty setting the bar low. But are they coming up with that hit in a publication that's really meaningful to them? Are, are you in Market Watch? Are you in Bloomberg? Uh, is the New York Times paying attention to your previous raise? And, and that's where it comes in. One of our long, long serving clients, we've been with them for more than four years. Um, they very much have been building up this steady bank of earned media. And every time they go out to talk to an investor, that is what helps close the deal. Earned media is immensely powerful when it comes to that brand value, because in many ways, that brand value is the perception of those outside the business. Or do you look and operate and feel bigger than you actually are? And earned media is a powerful tool to leverage to get you there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so impactful. I mean, and especially with your background, you know, uh, being a journalist, one of the first journalists, and the first one I knew in cannabis back in 2014, I think it was. Like given that background, um, being on the on the front lines in, a, in an emerging industry, like how much of you know that experience has been relevant to starting Grasslands, and how really has has that how has that set you apart from all the rest of the PR companies in the, in the industry? So my background as a journalism drives everything that we do um, here at Grasslands. You know, um, we call ourselves a journalism-minded agency, and you won't hear any other agency in cannabis and psychedelics or out that refers to themselves as such because it really is a construct that we ourselves have created. Um, and we continue to iterate on it every day. What that looks like is really how what, what can we learn from journalism to make ourselves better partners uh, not only to our clients, but to our journalist partners. It is absolutely essential that we maintain good and close relationships with the journalists who cover these industries, with the journalists who are dipping their toe in the water and saying, hey, I've never written about cannabis, but it's almost legal in New York, and I need to understand this. Uh, it is our responsibility to be you know, attentive, uh, efficient partners who can make their lives easier, the client side and the journalist side. And frankly, uh, when I was a journalist for 24 years, those last three and a half years uh, were at the Denver Post as the cannabis editor to what you just said. And I was wildly unimpressed with the quality and the caliber of PR. Um, you know, how are they treating me? Um, of course, because I am the conduit through which communications professionals can reach you know, uh, their target audience for their clients. And so I just found that there was a general lack of attention to detail. Mm -hmm. I was always stupefied when I'd get a pitch, hey, our client in Nevada is opening a new store or our B2B client in Chicago is doing big things. And I would tell them straight up, you know, I write for a daily newspaper in Denver, Colorado, uh, not writing a lot about B2B, 
Um, and just know that the B2C that I'm writing about is primarily in Colorado. So you can just chill on those pitches and focus on the ones that are more relevant to me. And even though I'd give them that feedback, this is how to succeed pitching me and the Denver Post and the Cannabis they would continue wasting my time by filling my inbox with shit that was just completely irrelevant. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's disrespectful. Um, and it so is. I just knew that this could be done differently. This could be done better. And th that is really where Grasslands comes into the mix. Um, you know, this journalism minded agency concept, it's not right for everybody. It's not right for every client. Um, we have it in our client criteria that all Grasslands clients, they must recognize the essential contributions journalists provide to our democracy. And, you know, a little bit of a complicated environment for journalists in the last six years or so. And so uh, we really are um, not right for everybody, but for those who agree with our core values, uh, you know, we love these relationships with our clients, including Cookies, Willie's Reserve, um, you know, Nabis, um, some great MSOs, some great SSOs. We love B2B, B2C, and that journalism mindedness is really the ethos that ties everything together. And one of our big differentiation points, to your point, you know, it's like, um, certainly other agencies are starting to dip their toe into the water of cannabis. Um, their early clients are without a doubt paying them to learn this complex business language and landscape. And then there's other agencies that are our competitors who specialize in cannabis. And, and that's great. It's a competitive environment. There's something for everybody. Um, but what you get with Grasslands is, of course, this journalism mindedness. Uh, we are absolutely fluent in the complex business language of cannabis, psychedelics, plus, you know, this background that I bring to the mix is a unique background that doesn't exist anywhere out there. I was a journalist for 24 years. That's a lot of observing PR professionals at every level and thinking about constantly, how can we do this better? How can we do this differently? And that's what we're trying to do every day over here. And you mentioned this in, uh, you know, just now is like building relationships is key, right? With these journalists and, and don't waste their time, right? There's, as you said, it's you know your audience. Like if it's a B2B publication, if it's a local publication, respect uh, that market and respect who you're, who you're reaching out to and don't do the spray and pray approach that will get you nowhere. You know, how can cannabis brands, retailers, delivery services, how can they build relationships with journalists, journalists organically? Yeah, absolutely. This is something uh, I, I love talking to startups about. And, yeah. you know, any cannabis business, yeah. we're all startups. So, yeah. um, you know, I would really start with a radical level of prioritization. Um, when you're DIYing your own uh, PR campaign, you, you don't have budget yet to work with a publicist or with an agency. Um, you can absolutely DIY this and give your brand this successful head start so that the PR is clicking with all of the rest of the integrated marketing. You can start generating more revenue so you can afford these agency partners and vendors to come in and supercharge your efforts. But before you do that, just practice radical prioritization. Um, I want a list of five, 
five journalists who are the single most important to your brand. Of course, it involves recognizing the landscape, but let's say you are a cannabis brand. You're in one state. You're looking to license in other states. You know, what publications are these prospects looking at, these potential licensors? Uh, what, are they, what are they reading? They're reading, uh, you know, MJ Biz Daily. Uh, they're reading yeah. uh, Cannabis Business Times. They're reading Marijuana Moment. Um, you know, they're they're reading Weed Week uh, and, uh, uh, you know, any uh, MJ Brand Insights is doing great work and a host of other publications from Leafly to Weed Maps News. So you yeah. have this wide variety, but pick five, five reporters you're going to focus on. You have limited time already, but you know what? You can focus on once a week. Reach out to these journalists. Make sure they know who you are. Um, hit them up on different channels. Follow them on Instagram and you get to know uh, what their dog's name is. Um, <laughs> throw that like on Instagram or a thoughtful comment. That goes a long way because suddenly this device that you carry around everywhere that's in your pocket at all times, that's such an intimate part of your life, your name is popping up on their device every time you engage with them. Um, and, but then you're also dropping them an email, the occasional DM, everything is supportive. And of course, you're working up to an ask. And eventually it's like, hey, uh, this is our brand. We do great work. We sell baked goods in you know, the tiny Arkansas medical market, but we're making the best infused baked products in the country. Here's why. Here's our value prop. Here's our three uniques. And then seed that idea. Nothing happens immediately. But if you seed that idea with these five journalists, you keep it going. You stay top of mind. You know, the, the most important and most ignored element of uh, social media campaigns is, of course, engagement. But you're engaging with them regularly. And next time they're writing a piece that might be relevant to you and what you do, what your brand does, what products you sell, um, then they're going to think of you. They're going to reach out with that DM. They're going to respond to that email and just say, hey, writing this piece, can you get back to me by, by the end of the day? And there you are. You have yeah. your first piece of earned media and it only continues from going from there. We tell clients all the time, uh, let's start small. Let's, let's get you on that podcast. Let's get you in that trade. Let's get you in the weekly, whatever that might be. Um, and let's build on that because um, earned media doesn't only build credibility among investors and potential partners. Earned media also builds credibility between other journalists. Yeah. I would do that all the time when I was at the Post. It's like, oh, okay, they've already been written up by this. That's legit. There is a certain amount of cachet. Again, it's trust. You see uh, that they earned that mention in media and it immediately gives you a higher level of trust than that which you had before. Yeah, and I've always relate that to you know in in LinkedIn specifically. I get a ton of salespeople in my DM just trying to sell, and they don't engage with me. They don't like any of my posts. They don't care anything about who I am, and you can you can notice that right away. And you just immediately click spam or move it to the junk folder and move on with your day. It's the same thing with PR. You have to be respectful of that, and you know you should. You know, if you're if you're going to select your top five, let's say it's B two B for us, Entrepreneur, MJ Business Daily, uh, you know, all the publications that you listed. So know your audience, know those journalists, bookmark those journalists' as, uh, social media accounts or an activity, and any time that they post, and even set up notifications on your phone. So whenever they post, you are there first. 
you know, so there it's there, there's different things that you can do to to really engage with them and and show that you care, right? Because they're getting everyone's asking for a favor. They're all they all want to earn media, and you have to create that compelling story. You need to create that different differentiator, and you know that's why you know what that's why story storytelling is important. Um, so how can businesses come up with the with the content that really resonates with a journalist? Yeah, and and this is where it gets a bit more challenging, right? You and I were just talking about the power of storytelling, but also the challenge of storytelling. Yeah. Um, you really need to understand where that narrative is um, to fully be able to manipulate or exploit or use that narrative to your advantage. Um, and, and it's probably one of the most common things we see with new clients. Uh, we sign with new clients for PR, content marketing, thought leadership, and they think the story is right here. Um, and through discovery and through early strategy conversations and delivery, um, oftentimes we find that sometimes they're right. That is the story. That's our narrative. This is where we're messaging and where we're positioning the brand. Um, most of the time, uh, that they are a little bit off or very off. And, and it purely is having this expertise of what's happened before. Um, cannabis is a bit unusual, right? You know, the <laughs> things that Colorado was going through in 2013 is what New York State is going to now nine years later. <laughs> um, and so what's old is new again, but it's still you have to have that knowledge of when a market regulates and later implements and later launches, um, there is a certain uh there is a certain narrative arc that happens in every single market and it's okay. Uh, it, it's, it's, not, um, it's, it's not just like people copying each other. It just happens to be that state by state legality has really hamstrung us and what we're able to do. And so of course we see a lot of the same narratives and messaging emerge uh, for good and for bad for the progress of this industry um, in these various states. So having a, a deep knowledge and an understanding of what that narrative arc looks like in an emerging market, but also in a veteran market, um, in a limited license market or in a wide open free market. You know, uh, We know how these things go and we can anticipate what comes next. Um, and oftentimes, when you are running the brand and you're a startup and you're wearing 15 hats, that might not be your strong suit. Yeah. Um, you know, when we look in the mirror, we see what we see, but somebody else sees something different. And that's yeah. why it's essential to bring in that outside partnership. And again, you know, when you're pre-revenue or you're just launching, you're figuring things out, you don't have that budget for an agency partner there's no shame in utilizing your network, calling your buddy who might do something similar that you do and asking them, hey, I think this is our value prop. I think this is what makes us um, different. And this is what makes us distinct and ask them about it. Shoot it, you know, shoot the shit with your narrative, with your uh, network and see what they have to say. And inevitably you're going to learn something about yourself that you didn't know before, because that is one of the biggest challenges of finding that primary messaging and, uh, you know, feel no shame about not being able to tack that down yourself. This is very common, even amongst experienced entrepreneurs and experienced marketers. Sometimes you're just way too close to it and you need a little distance. Yeah, and marketing is not uh, the 
marketing is this big umbrella of all these different categories and PR is one of them. And that's, it's, it's its own art in, in itself. So, you know, launching a paid media campaign is not like running a PR campaign. It's not even close. You don't need the same people. You don't, <laughs> it's a, it's a completely different pitch and, you know, paid media is paid media is pay to play. You don't need to pitch anything. You just log on the website, add your credit card, create some ads, you know, create, create a, an ad that is uh, in sync with your messaging in sync with your values, of course. Uh, but it, it's not the same strategy. So it's just being aware of that and, you know, being aware of that and just being self-aware, obviously. Right. So, you know, look in the mirror, like, as mm -hmm. you said, and know, know your audience, know your personality. Like I know that I, when I present myself, I, I'm not smoking weed on my social media platforms. That's not my brand. I'm more professional. I, I focus on more technical uh, podcasts and technical tutorials and that type of thing. And that's who I am. Uh, but it, you know, everyone's different. Like, dude, there's so many different uh, faces in the cannabis space and they're all beautiful in their own way. And it's just, uh, you know, amplifying all these different faces. It reminds me of the humans in New York and, you know, that whole, and that wonderful book that came out and uh, just the great story, just the great storytelling platform, right? <laughs> and mm -hmm. just knocked it out of the park. And it's, I'd love to see that in cannabis because we're we're very a growing, growing industry with a a lot of new um, a lot of new people joining. It's becoming more diverse. We're getting into Latin America, getting into Europe now. So it's it's changing, it's evolving, and it's it's beautiful to watch, especially being in since you've been in before me, but since 2014, it's amazing to see the progress over eight years, right? So it's incredible. It, it is, it is <laughs> wild, dude, but you know, especially since so much of what you all do at Media Gel is around the paid space. Um, mm -hmm. When you're working with a new client, chances are that client doesn't understand the difference between paid and earned. No. And <laughs> the same thing with a lot of our clients, they're coming to us and they're like, okay, well, cool. Um, I, we're, now we're trying to secure an earned media placement, focusing on the, these five publications, these 15 categories, whatever it might be. Um, and then they're like, oh yeah, well, we should buy some ads there too. And of course, we're always happy to advise, but wildly different expertise. And I would never pretend myself to be an expert in paid media. That's just not what I do. I worked in a very different part of the newsroom from those people. In fact, yeah. they were never in the newsroom because of the ethics yeah. at hand. And of course, that's something you understand being on the other side of the media paradigm from us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's a there's a hard line between those two departments and the, you can't, there can't be any overlap. Like it's it's pretty firm. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's an understatement that, uh, you know, when you're going to this discovery phase with your clients, you know, like what information are you are you gathering are you analyzing before you being setting up this tailored PR strategy? Yeah, yeah. So um, one one thing that's fun about marketing in general is that we use a shared lexicon, right? So okay. discovery is that kickoff meeting. Um, really, the primary purpose for discovery in public relations is to set that initial strategy. Um, I found that a lot of our competitors, uh, they go into discovery and they come out with a year-long communication strategy. And to me, I think that's um, 
aspirational, also a bit ignorant. Uh, you know, we're startups in a shaky economy in a challenging emerging market uh, with a federally illegal plant, uh, which sounds ridiculous. But, um, you know, and so what we do at Grasslands, recognizing all of that, we create quarterly strategies. So out of discovery, uh, I just walked out of a discovery an hour ago and coming out of that discovery, our primary job is to create that 90 day roadmap. It's a three month strategy. Let's knock this out. Let's be realistic. Let's manage expectations. Um, you know, any form of marketing is very much about the long game. Uh, paid, earned, owned, it's all about the long game. You're doing an SEO campaign on your owned channels, long game. You're doing a PR campaign for your earned, uh, it's long game and the same goes for paid. So we take that into consideration with that initial strategy, because of course we have to get to know each other. We have to create the roadmap. We have to agree on the roadmap and then we're implementing the roadmap. And oftentimes um, the public relations agency is introducing a journalist to a brand for the first time. And that's okay. Or a brand new product for the first time, maybe from a familiar brand, maybe not. Uh, we're seeing lots of unfamiliar brands getting into cannabis and some mainstream CPG brands as well. Um, and so that, that is just a necessary and huge part of it. Um, coming out with that strategy, we really do call it a roadmap. Uh, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Um, and, but I guess the biggest part to your specific question, you know, coming out of discovery, what's next? It really is just a lot of communication. Yeah. Um, every agency operates in a different way. Um, we have processes, SOPs, timelines. Mm -hmm. This is how a small business like ours works. And we need all of our partners to be aligned with that. Sure, certainly we can bend the rules sometimes if we have just a, an amazing opportunity. Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll work late. You know, a colleague will work late all the time. We bend over backwards to make things right for our clients, but we also recognize that the way things work best for our clients is through an efficient structure of po uh, policies and processes. Um, and that's the way we can create the most meaningful results and outcomes for a client. So it's communicating about how you operate, learning how they operate, managing expectations for what is the reality for this kickoff for the next three to six months. Absolutely. We're going to see some earned media wins. But if your ultimate goal is to get into the New York Times, great. Uh, you want fast company. Let's talk about getting there in the first nine, 12, um, 18 months of the strategy. It just depends. We've had brand new clients in the New York Times less than a month after launch. Wow. Other clients, we had them targeting that. Uh, and a year and a half later, we accomplished it with a big uh, splash on the cover of the Thursday style section. Um, you know, it, it takes time and strategy and planning. And that's where everything starts is discovery. It's a really magical meeting. And I, I love being able to put my journalist cap on it where we're just really um, going deep with the clients and learning about them. And oftentimes they come out of these discoveries saying that they learned something about themselves throughout the process, which of course we take as a huge uh, compliment yeah i mean you're you're building a long-term relationship with these you know with your clients right it's it's a very intimate connection you have to know the ins and outs of their personality their business um, everything right so that you can present that uh to the audience and you mentioned that you know some it can range anywhere from a, a month to a year to or even beyond that to get a, a placement on the new york times and there needs to be a compelling 
you know, there needs to be compelling story to that. And like, what are the the points that you know, should be included in a, in a piece like that that should even be considered on the New York Times? Oh yeah, you know, there there's many, but I'll but I'll start by just talking about uh, distinction and differentiation, uh, two different things, and it really is. Uh, it really does require a deep, hard look at yourself, um, your team, the brand. Um, is there something that legitimately sets you apart from what exists out there already? Um, I love the passion and the fervor of a, a, a first-time entrepreneur. I myself am a first-time entrepreneur, you know, but, but passion only goes so far. Yeah. Do you have an idea that sets yourself apart from others? Do you have a background or a unique perspective that makes you different from others? Uh, you know, you, you, you very kindly asked me earlier about journalism mindedness. There's no other agency in the world that practices this type of comms um, because we ourselves created it and iterate every, every day. And so what is that for your business? Um, because, I, I will always remember uh, the first time this ever happened to me, and now it's happened a hundred plus other times, but uh, I met this guy at a happy hour, networking, cannabis industry in Colorado, um, chatting with him. He had a bold vision uh, on this first conversation. The brand was CBD. Uh, the products were pretty similar to what existed on the market. But you know, after a 10 minute conversation, it seemed like there might be a there there. And we met up for mojitos the next week and I asked him, bring some marketing materials. Let's dive a little bit deeper and we'll see if there's a there there um, for us working together. And about 20 minutes into that mojito sesh, I knew exactly that we could never work with this guy or his brand because one, the passion wasn't even there. Um, he was building a brand purely to sell. His goal was to sell the CBD brand less than a year. I promise you, he did not. Nothing against him, but he just didn't do the work ahead of time to make sure there was that distinction and differentiation. Um, but also um, just recognizing his goals and what he wanted to do. I think he just didn't do any of the research, very little market research before he got into that. Unfortunately, we've seen a lot of that in the hemp space. Um, and so that was just challenging because I, uh, we weren't even a half an hour into our second meeting before I told him that unfortunately he doesn't have that distinction required to make earned media worthwhile. Yeah. Um, you know, and to your question about the New York Times, I mean, what are they looking for? They're, they're absolutely looking for compelling stories and narratives. They're looking for messaging that doesn't exist out there. They're looking for spokespeople who need to be represented better in the pages of the New York Times. So, you know, as we see the cannabis industry continue uh, this march toward increasingly white male ownership and management structures, of course, we're, we're starting to look like every other industry out there, unfortunately, yeah. but we can find those opportunities through the right spokespeople, uh, through people of color, through women, through people who are representative of other populations and other categories. And so veterans, yeah, everyone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's massively important. But of course, even then you can have the right spokesperson without the right narrative. You're just yeah. not going to go anywhere. Um, you know, a good example is like, we work with this great brand, uh, Coda Signature. They're a single state operator right now, Colorado only, but what, what a phenomenal narrative because the co-founder is this incredible chef. Her name is Lauren Gockley. 
and she, uh, and and you know she worked for Thomas Keller in per se Midtown Manhattan. Thomas <laughs> Keller, potentially the most well-regarded American chef uh, yeah. for the last 10, 20 years. And, um, you know, she's she learned so much from him being a pastry chef in his kitchen. And she brings that to the cannabis space. She's been practicing this craft since 2014, 2015. And Coda Signature still has these products that absolutely have that level of differentiation, that level of distinction. It's not a gummy. It's a pat de fouille they call a fruit note modeled after a French confection. Uh, it's dynamic flavor pairings that are just really lovely. And uh, yeah, when we told the New York Times about that story, after a couple of times laying the foundation, of course, educating them, coming up with an interesting hook, um, we loved seeing Lauren and Coda Signature in the New York Times. Total win. Yeah. Yeah, and you've, I mean, you can see through people, you can see through the BS, right? I mean, you said within half an hour, you knew that it was a loser. And you don't need to, if, if earned media is not the right fit, you can consider other other avenues. And we both know that the hemp and CBD industry is, it's very hard to differentiate with some of those brands. It's, and a lot of, a lot of founders are just coming into, uh, you know, create something, flip it, move on, get acquired. They don't really care about the the industry or the or the vision or the long term impact of that uh, in the industry. So just being aware of that, and you know, there's a lot of mistakes that people make, and I'm sure you've seen them all in the in the cannabis industry. You know, so how can businesses stay vigilant about not making these mistakes? Like, what are the top mistakes that people are making? Oh, you know, well, <laughs> starting with the first part of your question, how can they, you know, avoid them entirely, you know? Yeah. Um, sometimes it's up to us and it's our fault yeah. and sometimes it's not up to us and yeah. we just happen to be starting a business at the beginning of a global pandemic or an economic <laughs> recession, whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, I think, of course, thinking about the worst case scenario constantly and at the very least having some sort of a plan. Um, you know, it could be as simple as a two page Google Doc uh, called if shits hits the fan, you know, and, then, <laughs> and it's like, cool. Um, if anything truly bad happens, what is my very general plan to move forward to try and take care of whatever bad thing happened, whether it's a product recall uh, because of pest pesticide or mold, um, you know, or something more significant, maybe. Uh, maybe your CEO says something they shouldn't have on an Instagram live um, or, or and, cried and, or cried because they fired people a day before. Oh, that's been fascinating <laughs> to watch. Hasn't it? Jeez. <laughs> that just took its own uh, path. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. My team and I were just talking about that this morning, but, but, you know, this very loose crisis management plan, it could be as simple as, Hey, I'm going to call my friend Guillermo because he's super savvy. And if, if something truly bad happens to my organization, I trust him. He knows me. He knows my organization. He will have some advice. That can be a, the simple foundation and a thought starter for what you end up building in this basic one or two page crisis management plan. Just thinking about that worst case scenario is essential. But in terms of avoiding the inevitable crisis, um, of course, uh, you know, uh, you and your team brought it up really well and poignantly in some of the marketing materials promoting this webinar and this podcast. 
uh, that, you know, it does take a lifetime to build up a reputation yeah. and it can be destroyed like that with a single tweet, with a single sentence, um, you know, especially as we have more opportunities for live streaming exactly like this. And so, so uh, to avoid some of these major obvious happenings that we see the most, um, I think it's very much having your messaging um, laid out and sticking to your messaging. Um, that is absolutely essential. And messaging isn't necessarily something that comes naturally to entrepreneurs even. Um, I would also say it's about talking points, staying on those talking points, recognizing when you might be getting a little bit out of your depth. Um, back in the day, Guillermo, I was, uh, uh, when the Denver Post announced that I was their first cannabis editor, they, uh, you know, there was a bit of a media brouhaha and suddenly I'm being interviewed by the New York Times and I'm, I'm on all things considered with Audi Cornish and, and then I'm, uh, you know, literally sitting on the couch uh, at the view between Whoopi Goldberg, Jenny, Lu uh, Jenny McCarthy and Barbara Walters. And oh, what an experience. <laughs> wild, wild days. Um, and I, I learned at that point, the most powerful powerful thing you can say in some of these environments and these opportunities is, I don't know. Uh, you know, how could we be expected to know everything? And oftentimes we're going to be asked questions in public settings um, or potentially recorded or televised settings where um, we just don't know how to properly answer that question. And instead of fumbling, instead of making something up, instead of speaking around it or quoting a statistic, you don't know if you're exactly getting right. Um, I don't know is the absolute right call. <laughs> it is absolutely the right way to go. Um, and I think that as executives, we have this imposter syndrome and more where we feel the need to pretend like we have an answer for everything. And even, even if we don't remember, I, I don't know is one of the most powerful things you can say, and that's at the top of our media training document for every Grasslands PR client. So, so that's a big one. Um, you know, it, the list goes on and on, but I think um, creating um, an, an infrastructure within your business that upholds accountability and quality control is necessary, whether your uh, services uh, like what I do, or you're actually selling a product, you know, I mean, back in the day as a journalist, I did a lot of um, testing oriented journalism, where I was taking edibles to a, a state licensed lab, testing them and saying, is what they say is in there actually in there? And of course we found out in most cases, no, they were off, there's a variance, you know, or taking concentrates to a state licensed lab and testing them for the potential presence of pesticides. Um, you know, lots of pesticides that we should not be inhaling into our bodies, especially after exposing them to extreme heat. Um, in the mix of these things. And so what always happened was they had bad partners. Sometimes it was a bad, a bad grower who was about to lose a room and went to the significant extreme of using mycobutanol or one of these active ingredient chemicals. And next thing you know, they're getting popped by the regulators for using something that is dangerous for human consumption. Um, and so I guess in all of those kind of crisis opportunities, I think, uh, on, executives need to be open, honest, uh, and and also not say too much. Um, you know, saying more uh, is oftentimes where you get yourself in trouble. 
Um, yeah. But you should accept the responsibility for what you've done. If you're facing a rate recall, you should rededicate your commitment to quality and tell your consumers what changes you're making so that never happens again. Um, and then, of course, keep it short. Keep it brief. Um, people get in trouble when they just keep going on and on and on. And uh, it's better just to say, okay, we're going to limit this to three sentences or two paragraphs, whatever that might be. Less is more. Um, and really just monitor the messaging you're putting out. Make sure you're looking toward the future. But also importantly, make sure you're owning up for the mistake. We're all human. Um, nobody wants to see somebody dodging it or blaming somebody else. If the bug stops with you as the, as the CEO, as the lead cultivator, then own it right there and just move on. Yeah, own up to your mistake. Honesty is key. Authenticity, transparency, you know, all all should be top priority. And yeah, I mean, less is more. I've, you know, I found my, I find myself sometimes if I'm on a live session, you know, taking uh, two to five seconds to, to make sure that I'm, I'm responding in the right way. <laughs> Cause you Especially can go you out, you can go out. Yeah. You can go up the, you need to be respectful of, uh, you know, the, the things have changed. Like the landscape has changed uh we need to be more inclusive right you need to be aware of your audience your your guests be respectful of their their history their the background their what makes them unique and and make sure that um <clears throat> yeah i mean that you're just being respectful really because it, it, it's changing it's changing fast and the like <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to keep up sometimes. <laughs> it is, man. And, and yeah. you raise a good point there, too. That's such a dynamic, strategic point that a lot of people yeah. don't take into consideration. Yeah. What is, who is your target audience? And yeah. how can you best speak to them in a language that they will best respond to? You know, it's, um, it really does come down to messaging and positioning. But we were just talking to a client about this the other day. When you're doing an interview and you're talking to some heady publication, you're you're talking to a, a freelancer for maximum yield, you know, you can get yeah. deep about newts and mediums and all of the uh, all of the inside ish. But then when you're talking to the daily newspaper reporter who is not savvy on this industry, you need to change how you talk. You need to meet them where they're at, because the more you give them, the more you meet them where they're at, they're, they're going to help you uh, help position you and your brand in front of their audience, which is not the maximum yield reader. We're talking about the LA Times and maximum yield. There's not a lot of overlap there. And you need yeah. to make sure that you're speaking to these journalists so they can speak to their audiences, which is your end consumer, in a way that they most understand. Yeah, and I was uh, just talking with a friend before this call, and you know he's uh, he's in the real estate business, and yeah, you know, he's he's an investor, right? So he's a suit, but he says that uh, when he goes to look at any of his properties, he never wears a suit, he never shaves, uh, he plays the part, wears the right shoes, wears the right clothing, and connects with it with his team. They don't want to. They don't want to connect with a suit they can't relate they just think is this is another guy from the office i don't want to engage with them but if you come and you speak the same language and you dress the part you know and have a few beers with the guys it'll go a long way and it's the same with cannabis if you're going to go to mj business daily versus a hall of flowers 
it's a completely different experience, different audience. And you just need to be aware of that. You need to, to play the part. So absolutely the truth, man. And I hope to see you at both Holoflowers and, and BizCon. We'll be at both. Oh yeah. MG Unpacked, Benzinga has definitely got the, the whole tour coming here in about four weeks. <laughs> I know the fall. I'm already a little bit nervous. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I mean, uh, I'm excited with how the the cannabis industry has progressed. I know there's a lot of challenges. I, mean, I don't want to downplay that. I know that people are experiencing all types of challenges depending on which state you're in, whether it's the you know, 70% drop of uh, price per pound of flour, or it's you know, 280 E, or if it's regulations, like it's they're pretty much handcuffed to, to, you know, to be successful in this industry. So, you know, real, real shout out to all the entrepreneurs in this space and, you know, being, uh, you know, just kind of working through the pain and it, it is, uh, it's tough and you, you, you just have to stay in your lane, stay focused on your differentiator, which is what we've been talking about today and know who you are as a business. Like Jeter is a perfect example. There's a reason that they're the top pre-roll company in California. You know, they, they didn't create 15, 20 different SKUs and promote all these different SKUs and try to be involved in all the categories. They stuck to one and then you know, they can diversify after that, but really know who you are and, and stick to that. I think it's important. Uh, I can agree more, man. And when you're like, you know, organizations like yours, like ours and, and so many others, when you are not subject to these draconian regulations and policies yeah. and tax codes, um, you know, our, our hearts go out to these plant touching members of our community yeah. as well. It's great to see small wins like the yeah. removal of the cultivation tax in California. It's not enough. We need more. But at yeah. the same time, this is now a playbook that we at least have access to. And I want to shout out to um, all of the organizations, brands, executives, advocates in California that changed that law, changed, pulled back that regulation. This is how we peel back. And now we need to start doing that in every market across the country. The time is now. Um, of course, we're facing other challenges that'll start again with the new state legislative sessions around yeah. potency and these these yeah. baseless concerns. And so, um, you know, heart goes out to them and, and I know they're feeling the pain and that certainly trickles down to businesses like ours, uh, which is why we need to band together and, um, you know, peel back some of these regs and, and change yeah. the messaging out there in the public consciousness because we need the public coming back into dispensaries especially in California, Oregon, Colorado, Michigan, and a couple yeah. of other markets. Yeah. yeah, and definitely, you know, hold your local uh, regulators, politicians, everything accountable too, right? And it's be active, participate in the community. It's, it's really important in this industry, especially. It's a small, small community. So, you know, word gets around fast. <laughs> mm. If you are, uh, your, your, your reputation, uh, you know, could be, could be I'm gone, as you said, one, one sentence, one word, one, yeah, we've seen it a lot lately in the, in the media, every day in LinkedIn, I see some, someone, a CEO's Elon Musk every other day, you know, <laughs> he's a popular uh, one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's changing. So, and, and the media landscape is changing. And you know, like, how do the cannabis businesses fit into this 
you know, traditional media plan regardless it's it's wild like how how do you keep up and how do you stay relevant <laughs> oh you know it, it, it is a good question um because there's there's this law when you study public relations and certain mm -hmm. parts of marketing that you know the biggest brands get a, a majority of the headlines mm -hmm. so let's say you know tesla apple microsoft in that yeah. space yeah. Uh, tech innovation they they get 60 65 percent of the headlines that only leaves 35 percent for every other business out there um it really is challenging and so you do need to really dig into some of these constructs that we've touched on um to make yourself uh noteworthy enough um you know uh we just started working with this really tremendous um dispensary organization in northern california and and what's so fascinating about them is they have the narrative they've never told the world about it they barely pushed this on owned media channels they are family owned they are bipoc owned they are expanding across the bay they are ogs they are legacy and they have this unparalleled dedication to pleasing their customer that no matter what, they're going to work to make it right until it's right. And they're just now onboarding PR and marketing for the first time. And we're just like digging into this gold mine because when you look throughout the Northern California landscape of dispensaries, there are a couple that have gotten a lot of press and yeah. for good reason, you know, the tremendous work, of course, uh, Steve D'Angelo and the yeah. Harborside organization have yeah. done on behalf of the industry and the plant yeah. is, is so necessary. But now I'm so thrilled that Grasslands can be a part of the Purple Lotus team headquartered in San Jose, delivery all throughout the Bay now. And, uh, you know, it's really extraordinary because this is a team that's passionate about their community. Um, they are absolutely giving back, donating laptop computers to their local libraries to help um, uh, disadvantaged populations work through uh, remote education platforms where they don't have that kind of technology at home. They were doing this just because they knew it was the right thing to do because they cared about their community. And now we get to help them share the news of not only how they're amazing community partners, but also how they just love their customers, how they're bringing their world-class customer service um, to delivery throughout San Francisco, East Bay, North Bay, and beyond. It's it's pretty outstanding. And, and I think that we all could learn a lesson from them. What is your differentiator for, you know, part of with grasslands, you know, you and I share similar heritages, I know, and my family is indigenous, and we're really proud of that. And um, I also am very proud and thankful that I went to college on a scholarship and internship program that was very DEI focused. And so um, two years ago, after the murder of George Floyd, my colleagues and I worked day and night to create a diversity and marketing internship that can open up opportunities for um, people of color. Um, anybody from an underrepresented population in marketing and cannabis. And we're in the process of wrapping our second cohort now. Um, some of our colleagues out on the floor right now, we have three interns this year, all young women of color, all really talented young marketing professionals, one at UT down in Austin, CU Boulder represented, and another one has been graduated for a while. And it's just so extraordinary. That's passion. That's our passion. That is our main CSR initiative to give back to our community and to change the face of our agency and the industries in which we work, but with you, your business, what makes you different? 
and ask yourself that and really hold yourself to the fire. Call that, that, that most trusted member of your network and say, hey, this is what I think makes us different. Do you agree? And if you don't have an answer or if you don't have a satisfactory answer, uh, then you need to do some soul searching and you need to figure out what that is because without it, uh, it's going to be really hard to succeed. Yeah, agreed. And I'm all about that. I'm all about uplifting the community and providing education. And uh, I just remembered uh, I should, we should, you know, meet for for drinks or a smoke out in Denver. I'll be out there for a mastermind group or a BC, BCB where we are uh, educating minority own, owners of color. So that's, and it's all marketing and, and training and executive, you know, executive training related. And it's, it's, there's nothing that's not a better feeling than giving back. And, and if, if there's some value I can share with you and, and if, if I can, anything I can do to, to help you grow and, and live a better life, I'm all about that. And, you know, it's, you know, it hits the heart, right. And it's, it's, uh, there's nothing that you, you can do to really replace that and, and give back to the community. And I, you know, I've always made it a point to, uh, to really invest time in that and, and being in, involved in the community and in any way, like last prisoners project, uh, you know, we have a, uh, we have a foundation at media gel. We, where we were giving marketing grants, uh, to BIPOC, uh, veteran uh, women owned businesses. And I, we want to see them succeed and we want to share our expertise with you. We want, we want to, uh, to mentor you. And we want to, we, we want to see you last through all this turmoil. Because right? it's uh, it's wild out there, so it's it's all part of it's all part of the mission. You know, there's there's a lot of different reasons why we've joined the cannabis space. Mine was a personal reason. Uh, you know, I had a friend that was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and she used cannabis to treat her brain tumor, and she's with us thankfully today, uh, working at a cannabis store. That was my catalyst to get in this space. Like it, for me, it was always hip hop and we grow up in Northern California, Santa Rosa. And, you know, that's cool. And all this, as soon as I saw the stories and then the, the kids and the, the seizures, the epilepsy, like, and seeing, seeing that firsthand, it's, that's what really, you know, ch changes policy really. <laughs> Hearts and minds. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. And, and please do reach out. Would love to see you while you're in Denver, but, you know, shout out to media gel for doing this. And also very much a challenge that I'd like to, you know, throw down the gauntlet, because if you are running a cannabis business and if you have any profit whatsoever, you need to be doing something. Uh, this is, we, we're all familiar with this complicated history that this plant has yeah. so devastatingly put upon and, and the misinformation campaign uh, starting back in the 30s. You know, what, a, what, a, what devastation since we know how powerful this plant is and what we're about to learn in the next decade or five of research since, of course, research has been hamstrung. But, um, you know, our clients at ease, I want to give them a special shout out you know they're they're currently working their way through the third year of the momentum uh, accelerator program where they give $50,000 to different entrepreneurs of color and we're proud to be of course their agency of record but also beyond that we are thrilled to be partners who are donating our time to the ease cohort uh, for momentum and and we need more entrepreneurs more founders more executives and managers thinking about hey 
you know, we're working in cannabis. We really do need to figure out some sort of a program, some sort of CSR that gives back in a consistent through line process that keeps going. That isn't a one-time donation. It is a part of a, a cohesive project and strategic yeah. that, that helps heal these wounds of this devastating, still very active war on drugs. Yeah, and there's people still in jail in the United States today for cannabis-related offenses. So, you know, Biden, Kamala Harris, you know, you made your promise. <laughs> Let's see what happens. I mean, we have to push. You have to continue to hold people accountable and get a couple more years left in this administration. So now's the time. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I know. And let's hope our chances aren't completely decimated in the midterms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for, for sharing your insights and, and everything and doing everything that you do for, for the industry, Ricardo. I truly appreciate uh, you taking the time uh, to share your story with our audience. And uh, yeah, well, anything else you'd like to share? <laughs> no, you know, I, I love that you did start by talking about DIYing PR. And yeah. of course, when you go across the marketing, um, all the channels available, yeah. um, it is one of the more challenging ones to DIY. But um, yeah. I do want everybody to know that you can start that foundation, start the process. And then by the time you're able to engage with an agency like Grasslands or somebody else, you have that foundation. And also you have a better understanding of yeah. what these professionals are doing on your behalf. So yeah. of course, if we can ever be of use to anybody listening or watching, um, we're at mygrasslands.com. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Ricardo, again. Uh, everyone, catch you next week, Thursday. Thursday is at 11 a.m. Pacific, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. We we do this every week. You know, this is the Cannabis Marketing Live podcast. We cover cannabis marketing, PR, earn, paid, media, everything. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Great seeing you. Peace. Peace.